The Patriots finished 8-9 last season, capped by losses in three of their last four games. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Mr. Price, was good to have you on. Well, let's start with the offense. It was bad last season, 26th in yards per game, 27th on third down percentage, dead last in red zone touchdown percentage. How much of that was on the now jettisoned offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia? How much it was on Mac Jones, who had 14 touchdown passes and 11 picks? I would put an awful lot on the shoulders of Matt Patricia. You see this team operate over the course of the summer and through the two preseason games so far, and I think the bar was set so low last year, it's just good to see some competent offense back in New England again. (laughs) So uh, Bill O'Brien... He's in charge of the offense. Things have turned around significantly. Mac has got a couple more pieces around him, including Juju Schuster, who I think is going to be a really nice addition to the team, and Mike Kosicki, who is going to help a lot with those red zone problems. Uh, the issue right now for the offense is the offensive line. They can't all seem to get healthy. You've seen two-fifths of them out there and three-fifths of them out there. Um, so that's kind of a work in progress at this point. But ultimately, you're going to see a far better offensive grouping than you saw last year in New England. All right, so you mentioned O'Brien's back. Uh, how does his return change the offensive scheme? And, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the offense specifically, but what might your expectations be for that group this year? I think one of the biggest changes you're going to see is a return to the two tight end sets that New England used a lot uh, about a decade or so ago with uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki have worked really well together over the course of the summer. And I think that, again, Kosicki's proficiency, Kosicki's overall proficiency in the red zone is certainly a, a big help for them. And, it, I, I, again, I, I think you're going to see it, 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 a lot of differences in this offense this year, um, particularly when you know with the addition of a guy like Kosicki, particularly with the addition of a guy like uh, you know, Schuster. I think this is a team that can score points, enough points, to take a little bit off the shoulders of the defense, at least this year. Okay. I realize I'm on the minority here across America, apparently, but I, I remain a Mac Jones skeptic. Uh, obviously, there was last year, and you know, not all that was certainly not anywhere near his fault, a lot of it. But I go back to the end of 2021. You know, the Patriots lost four out of the last five that year, and he threw eight touchdowns and seven picks down that stretch. So uh, my, my, my skepticism is still there. Bill Belichick mm-hmm. hasn't exactly supported him a lot, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, is, that, is that just Bill being Bill, or am I looking at that wrong? <laughs> I think it's more Bill being Bill than anything else. I think he's looking to light a fire in him a little bit. I, I, you know, I, I think that there was a level of dissatisfaction. Uh, you know, e- even with the coaching staff last year, and, and I think that that played a large role in his stagnation as a quarterback. And it, it, again, with O'Brien, you know, I, I think that there are changes in the offense, and I think there are positive changes in the offense, and I think Mac is going to be a part of it. Uh, he's the number one quarterback on this team, without a doubt, as, as the regular season dawns. He's going to be the guy. Uh, I don't think there is a situation where Bailey Zappi wins the job Mac Jones can only lose it, whether you know he gets hurt or he just starts the season absolutely awful. Uh, Mac is the guy in this offense, you know, now moving forward. Christopher Price, the Boston Globe, currently in the sports zone. 
All right, Ramondre Stevenson in just seven starts last year was New England's first 1,000-yard rusher since 2016. He was a very valuable pass catcher also, but Zeke is now there. Zeke Elliott signed earlier this month. How might this running back distribution work? You're going to see Ramondre get the bulk of the carries. Um, and, and Zeke is going to kind of augment him, kind of serve as a complementary piece to the offense. Uh, something that Zeke did a little bit last year in Dallas, I, I think you should get used to that similar situation. That being said, I, I know in the past when they've had situations like this, when they've had multiple running backs, you know, running backs with some positional redundancy, as, as I call it, Bill has ridden the hot hand more often than not. And so there are going to be games where Ramondre Stevenson gets 25 carries, and there are going to be games where he gets probably six or seven. Um, a lot of it is team-based. A lot of it is personnel-based. If they feel like, you know, for example, if Zeke runs better against the Eagles defense, you know, you're probably going to see more Zeke. But I think ultimately in the end, you're going to see Stevenson get the bulk of the carries in this offense. I don't think he's going to be able to hit the 1,000-yard mark this year, which means one of my favorite all-time Bill Belichick streaks is going to stay alive. He has never had a guy rush for 1,000 yards in back-to-back seats. That's going all the way back to his time in Cleveland. So I think with the addition of Zeke, I think it's going to be the same thing moving forward this year. I don't think Ramondre gets to 1,000. He's going to have a good year, but he's not going to get to 1,000 yards. That's a fantasy football owner's nightmare right there. But that that's you know, the running back situation in New England's been a nightmare for fantasy football owners for a long time. So that's that's nothing new. Okay. Uh the receiver target share. Uh you mentioned Juju. Also since the end of last season, they've extended Deon uh Devontae Parker's contract. They signed Gasicki, as you mentioned. How might all that work out? I think you're gonna see Juju probably get the bulk of the, uh, the catches this year. Um, uh, uh, you know, but again, I think I think tight end is going to be an important position, as I said before. But I I just think the fact that you have two really good tight ends there, I think they're going to kind of split the catches. But Juju should be a, an important part of this offense. The strength of this passing game is in the short and intermediate work. And from what I've seen so far from Juju, he's willing to go over the middle. He's willing to make some tough catches, get some yards after the catch. Uh, that, that's one of the things that kind of differentiates him from the rest of the receivers in this in, in, in that wide receiver room. So I think Juju is going to lead them. I think the tight ends are going to be an important part. I think Devontae Parker is going to be the home run hitter. And I think rookie Demario Douglas is kind of a sneaky good pickup if you're a, a fantasy football mm-hmm. guy. He, he's someone who is really impressed over the course of the summer. He's going to make the team. He's a sixth-round pick out of Liberty. He's going to make the team. He has terrific speed. He has great short area quickness. He's going to be an important part of this offense before it's all said and done. Okay, I'm writing Demario Douglas. I'm writing this. There you go. Very nice. All right. Uh, The offensive line. Uh, How do you evaluate that group? And is right tackle still a mystery? Yeah, it, it really is. The left side is trending in the right direction. I'll say that. Trent Brown, who was a big question mark last year, he appears to be back in, you know, back in playing shape. You're going to get Cole Strange back. He's missed part of the part of the, the, the workouts this summer. Uh, David Andrews in the middle is, you know, rock solid. So the left side of that line, you feel good about. The right side, not so much. They've had Riley Reef, a veteran tackle, play some right guard over the course of the summer. Michael Wenyu, a guy who is really, really good. We haven't seen him since the end of the year last year. He had off-season ankle surgery. He made his first appearance on the practice field. This past week, I don't think he's going to play tonight against the Titans. And the 
question as to whether or not he's going to play in, let's say, you know, the first week or two of the season. But when he gets back, you feel pretty good about the right side of the line because he's really good again. He can play both tackle and guard. So they need to find one more guy, whether it's going to be Riley Reef, whether it's going to be one of these youngsters that they drafted, Antonio Maffi, uh, Jake Andrews, or veteran James Ferentz, who's played there before. But there's some positions, there's a single position, at least right now, that's kind of up for grabs. At least Riley Reef at this point appears to be the leader in the clubhouse. But, yeah, it's still very much of a work in progress as we get closer to the regular season. Okay, kind of out of left field question here. It's football, I guess. So maybe kind of an off the bench question here. Is there a role for, you know, Malik Cunningham here, uh, rookie quarterback? Yeah. yeah, he's fun to watch, man. I, I tell you what, he's played uh, quarterback, he's played wide receiver, he's worked as a gunner on special teams. My own hot take wow. is he's going to go to full Edelman this year. Um, he's going to play, you know, he's going to play at least one defensive snap as well. So look for that. He is the ideal 53rd guy for your roster because he can do a little bit of everything. I'm not saying he's going to be this overwhelming presence statistically across the board, but his football IQ, his speed, his ability to play quarterback and wide receiver, it's all going to kind of figure in this year. I don't think, again, you know, he's going to be the kind of guy who's going to you know, be in consideration for the MVP, but I think he's going to be able to bring a little bit of a different dynamic for this team, maybe some goal line packages. I, you know, I, he's worked as a returner. He joked the other day the last time he had to tackle a guy was in top order, so he's you know, a little rusty there. <laughs> but this is a really interesting prospect, and I think it's it's a lot of fun to see him play again. I think he's going to be he's going to make the roster, and he's going to keep that streak going of one un, undrafted free agent making the roster every year for the last like twenty years. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, the defense, 10th last season in points allowed, 8th in yards allowed. Uh, those were very impressive numbers when considering the inept offense oftentimes. Uh, so, you know, why were they so good last season, and what do you forecast in 2023? They had some really good personnel in Kyle Duggar and Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore, but they didn't really beat any great quarterbacks. I, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why the numbers were so good. They feasted on really bad quarterbacks, and when it came time to play teams like Buffalo, you know, they, they struggled. And so what I want to see from this defense this coming year is I want to see them take the next step as a group. I want to see them be able to win a game against a playoff-quality team through a solid defensive effort. They played very well over the course of last year. And, and I think part of last season, why things kind of broke down for them, was they were asked to do too much. You know, the, the offense couldn't you know, keep up and special teams couldn't keep up. And so it was all on the defense to be able to keep this team in games. And they did it for a, a good chunk of the season, but they just couldn't kind of finish the job. But ultimately, like I said, I want to see this defense be able to compete against quality offenses on a regular basis. I want to be able to see them steal a game against, you know, they came close last year in games like in Minnesota, in Cincinnati. And uh, it, it just, they, they just couldn't seem to get over the top against those really good quarterbacks. I want to see them pull off a couple of those wins. Devin McCourty, retired after 13 seasons. How difficult is it going to be to replace him at free safety? Oh, he, he was one of the best leaders the franchise has ever seen. That being said, they, at least right now, are well-positioned in the post-Devin McCourty era at safety. They have three really talented, four really talented players at safety who are versatile, who are smart, who've been around for a few years. Kyle Duggar is poised to have a great year. He's in a contract year, too, so I think that's going to help him. But Kyle Duggar is a great young playmaker. 
he's going to be a name that's going to be known across the league this year. He's a guy who can cover tight ends and running backs and play in the box and offer run support. He can do everything. Kyle Duggar, remember that name on a national level. Duggar is poised to have a great year. They have guys like Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers and Jalen Mills, guys who've played a little bit of cornerback, played a little bit of safety. Just These guys have been around the block, and they know football. You know, We talked about the high football IQ before, Malik Cunningham. These guys really know the game. They're smart. They're tough. They're talented. And so, you know, unlike maybe the post-Tom Brady or if we didn't have a, you know, a game plan moving forward at quarterback, they have set themselves up for success when it comes to the safety position. And I think that safety position is going to make them feel better about maybe being a little bit thin at quarterback going into the regular season. Okay, time for our, my annual Lawrence Guy question here. Now, 13 seasons out of Arizona State, uh, still effective in 2022. Uh, how's he factor in this year? He's going to be he's going to be an important part of the defense. He, he's going to be part of that defensive rotation along that front, working in conjunction with other defensive tackles like Christian Barmore and the pass rushers like Matthew Judon and Josh Vichy. They love him in New England, although they tried to mess around with his contract a little bit, which I don't for the life of me understand because he's one of the best guys in the locker room. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to be an important part of what they want to get done on defense. He's a valued person, you know, a valued member of the roster. He is a, a, very, a very, very well-respected guy in that locker room. And so he is going to be there for the long term. Uh, he's, you know, he continues to impress me both on and off the field with many, many charitable endeavors in New England. This is a guy you want to keep around, and this is a guy who, like I said before, is going to be an important part of what they want to get done defensively in 2023. Okay, continue with the Arizona State theme. Uh, you know, quarterback Jack Jones played some multiple roles in the secondary last season. I assume that would be similar this year. And uh, did, has he dodged uh, possible NFL issues, a suspension possibly after the offseason uh, situation? That's still very much up in the air at this point. Uh, they, they could use him, you know, setting aside the very serious real-world issues that he's facing. From a football perspective, they could use him because, like I said, it's a young cornerback room. It's a thin cornerback room. And to have a guy like Jack Jones out there on a regular basis, I think, would be an improvement. But right now, it's still up in the air. I, I think it was postponed. The, his latest court date, I think, is before week two, if memory serves. So it's probably it's in another few weeks, um, and we'll know more then. But if they can have him, if they can, you know, if they can keep him on the field, I think it's going to be, you know, he's going to be a key part of that, key part of that secondary. But there are a lot of questions right now, a lot more questions than answers to leave at this point. Okay, Belichick, as we know, uh, we look, he loves his special teams. He drafted a kicker and a punter. Uh, U of A alum, uh, you, know, you, know, it's, you, know, you know, is he still the kicker? And, uh, you know, how do you assess the special teams at this point? Nick Folk. I think the, yeah, I, I think the special teams are going to be better this year. Um, there was some uncharacteristic sloppiness over the last 12 months from the special teams group. They lost games. You know, particularly the Minnesota game, because I think in large part because of special team sloppiness. Um, it was interesting that well-respected veteran and special team, longtime special team captain Matthew Slater, at the start of training camp, I, I asked him about you know last year's gaps, for lack of a better term, on special teams. He said, "Look, the time we're we're at a, we're out of excuses because it's gone on now a couple of years, and we're used to a different standard around here. So they brought in a couple of new special teamers. They drafted the kicker. They drafted the puncher." And I would expect things to be better this year. Maybe not to the level as to where they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where they were winning games on the margins because of special teams, but they're not going to lose games because of special teams. Nick Folk and Chad Ryland. Chad Ryland's a rookie. 
uh, who is challenging Nick Folk for the job, and has looked good, at least at this point in the summer. But, you know, Folk has beat back younger competitors before, and I wouldn't put it up him to do the same thing again this year because he's, he's been dependable. The rookie has been a little inconsistent over the last week. At the very least, I could see them carrying two kickers into the regular season, both Folk and Ryland. Uh, especially if you know there's a there's a sense that Ryland's so struggle. They're not going to cut Ryland. I'll say that because they traded up to get him. You know, they took a kicker in the fourth round. You're not going to cut a kicker that you took in the fourth round. So that 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 battle is still playing out as we speak. All right, bottom line time here. The expectations not high. Over or under seven and a half wins. I'd go over. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd go over seven and a half wins. Look, I, I think if everything breaks for this team. Everything goes right. They stay healthy. Mac is the guy who was for a large part of his rookie year. The defense is able to knock off some some really good offenses, and you know you get some of those younger players like Keon White and Christian Gonzalez really started to emerge as, as dependable everyday contributors. I think the ceiling for this team is ten or eleven wins, which should be enough to get you into the playoffs. Um, and I think that's the expectation around New England that this team should be a playoff team as constituted. Uh, but we'll see. Again, you know, it very rarely plays out like that. But yeah, I, I'd put him for, I'd, I'd take the over in that equation, put it that way. All right, Mr. Price, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll be checking back during the regular season. Thanks. Sounds good, Bob. Take care and we'll talk soon. All right, Christopher Price, Boston Globe.